This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The Chicago Bulls suffer another loss, this time to the Dallas Mavericks. Despite some tough defense for the most part of that game, they did not have enough to really overcome it. We're going to talk about that, plus we're going to talk about something that I noticed in the starting lineup that's not quite working the way I'm sure Billy Donovan would like it to. Plus, DeMar DeRozan uh, passes Larry Bird, and Zach Levine talks on the, on the trade rumors. We're going to get to all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, Sarah Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, Let's go ahead and get into the content for today. Um, and we got to talk about this game with the Chicago Bulls and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the, the Bulls end up losing. They end up losing by nine in Dallas. And, you know, things down the stretch of that game just did not work, right? When you look at some of the things that really absolutely killed the Bulls is that the role players went off. And the Bulls came in with a calculated game plan of let's go, we're going to disrupt Luka and make other people beat us. And for the most part, they, tend to, they, they seem to work out for the Chicago Bulls. First quarter of this game, the Bulls lost by, by, by three points. They won in the second and the third quarters by four points and, and one point respectively. But then in that fourth quarter is when the three-point defense, stuff like that, it just fell apart for the Chicago Bulls. They ended up losing that fourth quarter by 11 points, which then causes them to lose the game, right? Really solid. Uh, Luka came in with, with averaging almost 39 points per game, right? We were able to force him to only score 18 points a game, going 5 of 16 from the field, 1 from 8 from three-point range. But where it really killed the Bulls is the role players went off. Derrick Jones Jr. goes 7 of 13 for 17 points. You got Grant Williams, who gets 25 points. He goes 7 of 9 from the three-point line. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. goes 7 of 13 from the three-point line for 24 points himself overall. And that really is what took the game away from the Chicago Bulls. And so this is a loss where you can still feel pretty good uh, in, a, in a way about how the Bulls lost because that defense was legit for the most part of the game. The Bulls also shot 47% from the field and 33% from three-point range, albeit 11 for 33. And it comes down once again to math when it comes to the Chicago Bulls. They lost this game in large part because the Dallas Mavericks had 60 points from the three-point line. 60. Whereas the Bulls had 33 points from the three-point line. That discrepancy is huge, right? And you're going to have a lot of Bulls fans that blame this loss on Patrick Williams because he does go 0 for 6. And let's be clear, Patrick Williams did not play good at all. But he's not the reason why this Bulls team lost. Barely played in the fourth quarter. He wasn't guarding Tim Hardaway Jr. out there, right? He actually is one of the reasons we defended Luka Doncic pretty well. But that does not take away from the point that Patrick Williams is probably going to lose that starting position and probably needs to at this point. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on. Um, but in this game as well, something that, you know, De- DeMar DeRozan goes 5 of 13 for 16 points. Vooch has a 20 and 20 game. Zach Levine goes 7 to 17 for 22 points. And the thing that's really showing with the Chicago Bulls is that right now, Vooch, DeMar, and, and uh, Zach Levine are all shooting a terrible true shooting percentage. Terrible. Now, it's gotten better over the last couple of games, but they all were like around their career lows with true shooting percentage. And it goes back to the fact that the Bulls offense just is not playing well right now. We're just not. 
Um, and the offense, maybe it can come around. Uh, you know, maybe you need to look at changing something in that starting lineup. But, you know, it, that that's really one of the biggest things, right? Also, second-chance points. The Dallas Mavericks killed us on second-chance points this game. 24 second-chance points in this game to the Chicago Bulls' 11, right? And the Bulls were getting offensive rebounds. That is something that, as far as the change that we were trying to see from this team, more offensive rebounds, we're getting those. But we're not converting that to second-chance points, and I think a big reason of why we're not seeing that convert to second-chance points regularly. We've had a couple of games, which it absolutely has, but one of the reasons we're not seeing that consistently uh, translate to second-chance points for the team is just that we are taking bad shots after getting offensive rebounds, we're forcing up a shot almost immediately, right? So, you know, that is something that I would want to see. And I even during the game, I called, like, I want to see run more offense after you get an offensive rebound, right? Actually run a set, right? It's, it's fine when Vooch or Andre Drummond, if you get putbacks and you have that position, yes, do that. There's going to be times where you do get an offensive rebound, and because the defense probably collapsed going for that rebound, you're going to have a wide open three. But when those type, what we're seeing from the team is not just those situations, but they're forcing the three even when the defense is still out there defending them pretty well. So we got we got to start being uh, being better on that. We did get 12 offensive rebounds. We changed, we took, converted that to 11 sec, second chance points. You need to be better than that, especially when you're giving up a lot of second chance points from the other team. So the effort was better in this game. I want to be clear on that throughout the whole lineup as far as defensively. Once again, they came in with the defensive plan that it seemed like every player really bought into and was executing pretty well for the most part in the game. But then down the stretch of that game, it just, it got away from the Chicago Bulls and they weren't able to match the shooting to get it back underhand. And that is going to be something that we're going to continue to look at for this team because as we go forward, right, the defense, you know, it's had its, it's had its miscues as well. But typically, the biggest problem with the Chicago Bulls has been this season, the offense, right? Still ranking 24th in the NBA. And so while we're trying to change and have changed some things on paper, it hasn't really changed the results. And that's, that is the more concerning thing because if you change the way you play, but the results aren't really changing, that is where you got to either look at coaching, you got to look at players, you got to look at maybe mixing up your starting lineups, mixing up your rotations. Those are some things you got to start looking at. Uh, Ayo Desumu has been a revelation to me as well. I want to give some credit to the bench overall. Javon Carter having his second good game in a row, right, um, for the Chicago Bulls. Um, Torrey Craig is just always around. Like The fact that the Bulls got him for a vet minimum almost is starting to seem like an underpay because the guy is just, I'm just always impressed by Torrey Craig and the way that he performs. But then Ayo Desumu is really thriving now in this role of coming off the bench and understanding when and where to pick his spots, and that is a big thing for this team as well overall. Didn't play a lot of minutes in this game. I was surprised to see that Iota Sumo only played 10 minutes in this game, which was surprising because it felt like he was on the court a little bit more than that. But he does score eight points in that time. He gets one uh, rebound, one assist in that in that time as well. And Iota's just, listen, Iota's starting to, again, round out to a pretty damn good solid player as well, just kind of understanding where and when and how to get his points um, and in effect and pushing the pace a little bit more as Iota Sumu also. So, like those things from the Chicago Bulls as well, but we got to start talking about what to do with this starting five. And one of the things that I'm noticing with the and the numbers support this: Kobe White and Demar Derozan do not play well on the court together. They don't. It's not about Zach and Demar. It's not about Vooch and Demar. It's not about Vooch and Zach. It's not about Zach and Demar. Like I already said, that. did I say every combination possible with that? I think I did. Maybe I was missing a combination. Nonetheless, it's really not so far in the numbers. The core three not playing well together. But is like Kobe White and growing as a point guard and trying to grow into that point guard role, has it been perfect? No. Has he had games where he absolutely struggled? 
absolutely. And this could be looked at one of those in a way as well. But what I'm saying with Kobe White is that one thing I'm noticing, as Kobe White is having the ball more in his hands and he's better in that with having the ball in his hands, you can say the same thing about DeMar. And so we're seeing them not necessarily their plus minuses when they're on the court together isn't good. Now, you're going to have some minutes. It's unavoidable with the minutes that you want to play Kobe White and the minutes that DeMar DeRozan is going to play to avoid playing these guys together completely. But I will say that at some point, I think Billy Donovan really has to look at it and say, maybe Kobe White is better suited coming off the bench. That does not mean that Kobe White is not still going to have a really good season. I still think that that's possible. But I think that unless you're going to move DeMar to the bench, you have two players that both are better with the ball in their hands. That's one of the reasons in the offseason I did say that I thought Javon Carter should probably start over Kobe White. Not because Javon Carter is a better player than Kobe, but it is because that the way that Kobe plays plays the game of basketball, right? He's making better passes, right? I like the thing that what he's doing of actually breaking down defenses and getting to the lane, and then he is dishing it out to players and kind of helping create easier baskets, right? But one thing is that him and DeMar are just not playing well together when they're on the court together. And so, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's a personality thing where they don't like each other. It's just that their skill sets don't really seem to fit that well when you're trying to play them and run the majority of their minutes together. So whether that means still starting both of them, but then staggering some of their minutes, having one of them be the first one to come off the floor, off the court, and then go back in when the other one comes off to kind of stagger that a little bit to give them more opportunities to be ball dominant. Um, Zach is adapting well. We know Zach can play off ball. Vooch as well is, is a player that he understands how to get his. He's going to call for the ball when he needs it. But again, he doesn't necessarily need the ball a lot in his hands every single play, even though we want to see the Bulls play more inside out. But Kobe White and DeMar is kind of the sticking point in that. Now, maybe you bring in Torrey Craig if you do, um, you know, move P. Will out the starting lineup. Maybe that changes some. Maybe having another player in Torrey Craig that kind of can move the ball around and, 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 and move without the ball as well. Maybe that helps free some things up. Um, but Billy Donovan eventually has to look at it. But that is something that I was just interested to see is that Kobe and DeMar are kind of the, the, the two players right now that aren't necessarily fitting um, or, or they're, maybe they're competing in a way, right? And you're seeing Kobe even take more mid-range shots. So that would be something to look out for, right? Again, I'm not saying that it can't uh, eventually work as Kobe is trying to grow into that role. And I know some people are also saying, let's go ahead and bench Kobe. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the wrong thing, but I do think that Kobe is adapting to a different role. He's getting to the free throw line more than what he really has at any other point in his career. So that's something as well that's that's a positive for Kobe White um, when, when the shot isn't falling. But right now, too, you know, the offense in general is playing bad, right? So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing in this, um, that the offense is playing bad right now, considerably bad. So maybe with better play and better overall execution from the offense, maybe we start seeing that come around as well. Maybe those two players can start figuring it out a little bit better. But that is something that the, the numbers to, uh, support um, and, and the on-off support as well when they're, when they're on the court together. So just kind of look out for that as things go on. But like I said, Kobe White um, really getting to the free throw line the most he has in his career, almost three times a game he's getting to it. His previous high was 2.1 his sophomore year, uh, and that's when he played a, a lot of minutes and had an even higher usage rate. So we're seeing Kobe White starting to understand to get to the free throw line. That's going to help him pick, put up easy uh, buckets as well because he's an 84% free throw shooter and 85% for his career. So that's something you want to see Kobe White do. So he's going to be effective in that. But then you get to the point of passive P, Patrick Williams, right? And while I will say this, Patrick Williams for the last two games has come out with way better energy, going after loose balls. And like I said, it's not just about scoring. So many people make it just about scoring. He defended Luka, some of the best that I've seen Luka defended, and he did a pretty damn good job at it. 
But it starts getting to the point of you do need shots to eventually be made. And the thing is, is that while I love the defense that Patrick Williams gives, I like that he is being more active. The shots aren't falling. And sometimes you do need shots. Again, this game isn't 100% on Patrick Williams, but he does have his part in this. And the one thing with Torrey Craig is that I think Torrey Craig can bring similar defense. I don't, I'm not going to say that it's the same. Similar defense, maybe not as switchable as what Patrick Williams is, but I would trust Torrey Craig to maybe hit a little bit more of those open shots. Patrick Williams went 0 for 4. Um, I'm sorry, 0 for 5 from the three-point line today, and at least three of those were wide open threes. Patrick Williams on the season. Keep in mind, last season Patrick Williams was our best three-point shooter per percentage at 41%. This season so far, Patrick Williams is hitting the three ball at 12.5%, and he's taking basically the same amount of threes. Last year he took uh, 3.4. He's taking 3.2 this year. What does that mean? Patrick Williams has absolutely, thus far, five games into the season, regressed as a shooter. And that is concerning for a player that he's taking less shots per game. He's only taking six shots per game. He took 8.3 last year. And you're regressing in your shooting percentages. 26% overall from the field. 12%, 12.5% overall from three-point range. That's not going to get it done. And while I've said Patrick Williams, his value isn't all scoring. Being the fourth, fifth option now, especially with Kobe White, it's not all about the scoring, but you do have to start looking at some of the things with Pat and saying, listen, outside of that, right, like I've said before, I said it at the start of the season, if you're not going to score, I'm cool with it because that's not necessarily your role here. But you do have to hit your open shots, and you have to be so good defensively that and, and do the other things. What we say, 100 blocks, 100 steals, right? Shout out to uh, Ed Herring, who originally brought that up. Like, But do those type of things, and we're not seeing that from Patrick Williams either. And that's where the concern is starting to come in so far on the season. Patrick Williams is averaging four points per game. He has a total, a total of 16 rebounds on the season through five games as a starting power forward. He has seven total steals on the season. He has two block shots in total on the season. He has seven total assists on the season. That's not averages. That's total numbers on the season. That's not going to cut it. And so for Patrick Williams to be a player that isn't, that that's role isn't going isn't necessarily scoring. We need more from Pat than what we're getting in the other aspects of the game. If you're going to be the starting four on this team, and we're just not getting that as it stands right now. So you know, I don't know if Billy Donovan maybe keeps going because the offense is so bad in general. Maybe keeps going and hoping that this starting five is going to come out of it. But you got to start looking at, at changing some things, in my opinion, if if you really want to change the results for the Chicago Bulls. And so. We'll end up seeing with that. I know a lot of Bulls fans after last night's game are calling for both Kobe and Patrick Williams to move up the starting lineup, and they have their validity in asking for that. We're going to see if this team can turn it around, if this team can get it together. Um, let's hope that that's the case, right, that they have that capability to do because right now the, the Bulls are 2-3. and three. It's not terrible. We talked about how difficult this this uh, opening stretch was going to be for the Chicago Bulls and how, you know, up until December, mid-December, basically, they have one of the toughest schedules in the NBA. And you want them to be around as close to 500 as possible by that because the schedule gets considerably easier on the back half of the season. But it's 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 right now there are a lot of signs for concern for this team, specifically on that offensive side of the ball. And I'm not I'm not saying per se that the Bulls are going to look the front office is going to look to make a huge trade or anything like that. But I tell you what, the struggles keep coming like this. You know, uh, I would not be surprised if it, if that increases the chances right of a trade and. And talking about trades, the recent uh, trade rumors with uh, the 76ers being interested in Zach Levine recently came out. 
And Zach had this to say. You take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't affect me because at this point in my, I'm in my 10th year. It's nothing I haven't heard before. It's unbothering to me. So Zach Levine continues not to let the trade rumors get to him, which he shouldn't, right? Uh, he's a player at the NBA. Trade talk is always going to be part of that. It kind of is what it is there. Um, but, you know, I will say this is like, and he even said it this offseason, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And while I don't think that the Bulls are just going to give Zach away up for anything and they shouldn't, um, at some point you have to ask yourself the tough, the tough question, question. Can you do enough to get a version of this core together or do you have to make drastic moves with this core? And that question becomes more and more uh, evident every day. And here's what I'll say as well, right? And this, I kind of forgot this in the, in the last uh, segment, but DeMar DeRozan, seemingly is taking a step back and that decline may be starting for DeMar. The lift isn't the same, but he gets a lot of points based off skill, right? Because he's one of the most skilled players. I've said it before. Everybody knows where DeMar likes to go and he still gets there and gets to the free throw line and gets the shot a lot of times. So you don't want to take that away, but you're starting to see that decline. And the thing is, is what we, what did we always say when this team came together? I said that the hope is, is that by time DeMar's decline starts, you have a Patrick Williams, a Dalen Terry, a Iodesumu, that are starting to be on their rise, and then you it overlaps, so the, the feel of it isn't as noticeable. We're not really seeing that, right? Iodesumu, while he's thriving off the bench, is not like, he's, he, again, I think that Iodesumu is going to eventually round back out to a good overall player. I really do think that a, a, a player that you love having on your bench at the very minimum. Um, Kobe White is another player that, again, because him and DeMar aren't really playing the best when they're on the court together, you may uh, take a look at that. But then Pat, uh, Dalen Terry's in the G League, right? Pat, Pat, uh, Patrick Williams. We still don't even know if he's going to be like he. He's not even making consistent open shots, um, even though he's giving you other things on the court. So, at this point, the Bulls have a lot of questions that they need to ask themselves about where the future of this team is going, and if they don't have an answer to that, that leads to a playoff appearance, not a play-in, a playoff a, a appearance. You may have to start asking yourself what tough roster decisions you may have to make as a front office. And AK has not necessarily always been the best at reviewing that. So we end up seeing it. But for Zach, you know, to, to not be wavered by the trade talks, which he shouldn't, like I've said, even in that, the Philadelphia 76ers really don't have a lot that what we know so far that the Bulls would want back in a potential Zach Levine trade. So there's a lot a lot to do about nothing when it comes to that trade front. Um, and we'll end up seeing, right? But one, the, one of the things is that, and shout out to CF Football Candy. I know he's going to love this. Uh, Chicago Bulls have dropped as far as one of the most valuable franchises in basketball. The Chicago Bulls have been on a, on a move down basically since 2017. We were the number, uh, seven, uh, number three team in the league in 2017. We dropped down to number four um, in that, and we had been at number four up until this year where we have now dropped to number six. We are out the top five as far as most valuable franchises in the NBA. Now, teams like Boston has seen a huge increase in that. Those type of things are happening, and but you have to look at it as why, right? And that is that the fan base right now for the Chicago Bulls are not happy with where they feel the direction of this team is. We're, they're just not generally, right? And so when you have questions about that, but you're a, a team that still sells out, right? You still sell out, sell out your arena, but the value of the team starting to drop is an interesting point in all of this because does that does that start making move? I've said before, not showing up to games, things like that. I don't think. The Chicago Bulls are still top six, right? They still made $4.6 billion last year, right? And the difference between them and the Boston Celtics is one is one is point one billion, which is still a lot of money. Hand me point one billion, and I appreciate that. Um, but with that said, um, you know, now they've gotten passed up by the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Clippers have passed 
the, the Chicago Bulls own the most valuable franchises in the game of basketball. The Golden State Warriors are number one. Knicks are number two. Lakers number three. Boston Celtics number four. Clippers number five. The Bulls sit at number six. Dallas Mavericks at number seven with the Houston Rockets, 76ers, and Raptors rounding out that top ten. And so that is a thing that you have to start looking at as a franchise of, okay, your value starting to slip, but why is that? And not to say that it's going to cause huge things, but again, the product on the court would change so much even in regards to that. So I just wanted to give that. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, so I want to give you guys all the Bulls news possible. But let me know what you guys think on all the topics from today's show down below. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. It's getting tough, but see red if you can. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.